Hello, prayer friend. Once again, thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the underchurched, uh, often unreached people. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did, and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. And so we believe in praying with impact in our ministry. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. We are confident that the Bible-based prayer principles that we teach never fail. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Thank you. Hello, friends. Welcome once again to our podcast, where we like to say footsteps with impact in our prayers make a difference in our lives. Now, today we're going to have a different kind of program. I will not be hosting. I'm just going to be introducing it right now. We're going to have three young people, millennials, well-accomplished young people. They're going to be telling us why are young people or the millennials leaving the church, yet they still love the Lord, and yet they still keep their Bibles. They know the Word. They understand the word and the impact it has on their lives or it has had on their lives and their families. And so these are not non-Christian. These are young Christian people brought up in Christian families, Christian parents going to church. But they have seen that they and their friends don't want to stay in church the way it is held today. And where many young people have left church but still kept the Bible. So they're going to tell us, they're going to discuss, I will not be in the room. I leave the studio as soon as I introduce this, they will be doing everything unmonitored, uncensored. So be ready, but I encourage parents, church leaders, pastors, and all those who are interested in seeing young Christians or the future church to really listen in and take note. Honestly, I'm nervous because I don't know what they're going to be saying, but well, we have to listen to them. We have to listen as well as we hear, but many times we don't listen as well as we hear when it comes to young people. If we listen, maybe the church will not be as empty as it is in most European countries. Also, at the end of it, I encourage you to listen to my postscript with scriptures about what they just said. Thank you. God bless you. Listen in. So, I'm Esther Kuesa. I am Sam's oldest, and I live in Boston, Mass., Hey everybody, my name is um, Bo Quago. I'm um, a family friend of um, Sam Koesa and the Koesa family. I currently reside in Detroit, Michigan. Hey everyone, my name is Isaiah Koesa, um, Uncle Sam, that's what I call him. And uh, yeah, I'm from Dallas, Texas. Cool. So, why do you guys think we left? Hmm. I have an idea, but I want to let you guys go first because I get too long-winded sometimes. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think the, there's just a huge disconnect between the two generations. Um, one of the biggest things I think for me is, like, I think technology has been, like, one of the things that separated, uh, I guess, Uncle Sam's generation from our generation. And then they're not, their unwillingness to almost change 
And one of the biggest things that I, like, I always talk to with, like, my mom or sometimes my dad is about how, like, they think that certain music is, like, that's the music that God wrote himself for <laughs> for us. It's like, okay, I understand, like, Amazing Grace is good and all, and it has history, but, like, in a hundred years, the songs that new new people or young people are, are singing are going to be, like, the, I don't know, the Amazing Grace of the next generation. Oh, no, 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 that's not possible. Okay. <laughs> Um, I definitely agree with that, and I like how you said, you know, some songs, I think, like, the Lord wrote it himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think, you know, that we left because of how narrow-minded, you know, those generations can be. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, like, the technology thing is big. They don't think that, you know, you can attend church on your phone, mm-hmm. you know, that or you can watch online. They think that's not, like, real church, which it, it doesn't even make any sense because <laughs> you're still listening to preaching, mm-hmm. still listening to praise and worship. Um, I also think that it's because the church can be very unaccepting and very much so not Christ-like in the sense that they'll sing and say all day, like, come as you are. But when somebody shows up as they are, it's like, ugh. Exactly. Yeah. Like, why do they look like this? Why do they dress like this? Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness, tattoos. <laughs> as if, you know, God will be, you know, at the gates of heaven, like, mm, you have a small tattoo on your arm, you're not coming in. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's, you know, some of the reasons why. No, those are good reasons. Um there's so many ways you can slice this pie, but <laughs> one of the main reasons in my head, and I can only speak speak kind of for like my demographic, is that I feel like um, the church kind of alienates, um, just kind of like what Esther says, it alienates certain demographics, but I feel like a lot of the times it can alienate like a young male demographic, like young male millennial demographic. Because I feel like sometimes... Yeah, you have to teach about, like, the good side of Christ. Not the good side, but, like, the softer, more turn-the-other-cheek, love-thy-neighbor side. But they also forget that Jesus was, like, a very, like, he was a fierce dude. Just like when he was in the temple, like, when they were doing wrong in there, he didn't just come in there like, oh, oh my. He just came in there and just started flipping tables, told them to get out. And even besides, like, the violence aspect, because I don't want to get too much on that, is that... Even him just preaching his word, even though everyone around him was saying, we're going to kill you, what are you saying, that's wrong. He was a man and he stood on his word. So I feel like if they touch more on that side of Jesus, it would attract at least more people from my demographic. Yeah, because like I think a lot of sometimes, specific, specifically like young men, they say like, oh, it's almost like being Christian to an extent is seen as a form of weakness for some males, I guess. It's like, like you said, turning the cheek and certain certain aspects of it, they believe it's like, well, if I'm going to be soft, then how am I going to move in this world? But I don't want to say, like, they need to change, like, the way that, uh, I don't know. the way. That I, f- I feel like it's just my fault for cutting you off. I feel like it just needs to be more balanced. I'm not saying okay, it has to be yeah. all the way yeah, 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 yeah. left. Just more of a balance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, if we're going to start talking about, like, you know, the way things or the way the different genders are treated in the church, like for women, you know, we're kind of taught to be very docile, mm-hmm. um, very submissive, which there's nothing wrong with submission, but the way that it's taught mm-hmm. to us is very, 
I believe, very different from what, like, the Bible is trying to say, mm-hmm. right? Like, with women in submission, a woman's going to want to submit, you know, and want to do for, you know, her family and her husband. If the husband, like, this is what everyone forgets, is, like, when the husband treats the wife as Christ treats the church, which is with, you know, an abundance of love, um, respect, grace, kindness, mm-hmm. you know, then the woman's going to be like, oh, yes, I'll cook all your meals. You see yeah. what I mean? But no, that's I not agree. what's taught, you know, to young women in the church. And so for us, we just kind of look at it like then I don't even want to be a part of what y'all are teaching because that's not me. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? No, I actually agree, but I feel like that's a greater societal issue True. because, you know, they're not, I don't want to get too controversial, so I'm going to chill out. But, it's okay. <laughs> but, no, I'm still going to say my point, but I'm just trying to say it in the correct way is that, that's like a greater societal issue about what's going on because in the Bible, it explains like the roles out specifically. Mm-hmm. And I know some stuff changes due to like different time periods and different traditions, but right. the base stuff is like, all right, a man should conduct himself like this mm-hmm. and the woman should c- conduct herself in this way. And I agree with you. There's lots of men out here that don't conduct themselves in the proper way. Mm-hmm. But it's like both sides of the fence and yeah. then ev- both sides are being stubborn about it. But it's just kind of like what's happening in our society today because they're encouraging, like, different things, and then it's just confusing our generation. Yeah. Um, then you can tie that in with the social media as well, too, but go ahead. No, I, I agree with you, and I think that that's, you know, as I said, one of the main reasons young people kind of just shy away from all of that because it's like as much as, you know, we all may go at it on social media, um, you know, out and about and whatnot, at the end of the day, you know, we just kind of want to be treated with respect and respect each other. Um, and what is being, you know, basically shoved down our throats is it's just very opposite of that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's also one of the main reasons that young people kind of are, you know, just kind of done with it like me personally i don't Mm -hmm. think it's necessary necessarily necessary um i will say that my opinions about that have changed a little bit i was very very much so like i don't have to go on sundays but then moving out on my own in a new city where i didn't really know anybody i realized like okay going to church may help me meet like-minded young people yeah that seems like community yeah Mm -hmm. so it that is one of the reasons that, like, I started kind of, you know, changing my views a bit. But I still very much so believe that, you know, it's not like you're going to go to hell because you didn't go to church for a year. You I know? agree. As long as you, like, keep your relationship mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with God. And I feel like there's so many different ways to do that without, you know, getting dressed and going on Sunday that um, I feel like the generation above us may not even realize that we actually do have these strong relationships with God. Mm-hmm. We ju- They just don't see us, you know, in the pews on Sunday. Honestly, and we're all we're all filled with sin. Yeah. I mean, we're human beings. But I feel like as long as a person has good intention in their actions, and when they do make a mistake, they're willing to, like, correct it, and they live a straight and narrow path, then, in my opinion, I feel like, that's all that's necessary. Yeah. 
Because at this point, you know right from wrong for the most part. <laughs> People try to play around and be like, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that. And, uh, and, uh, like, now you know. Yeah. And I'm not saying we all have, like, our vices and our downfalls and things of that nature, but as long as you're putting in 100% effort, you have good intention, if you make a mistake, then you try to correct it, then I feel like that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, like, to be honest, the church is, like, just a physical building. And I think it's used for a sense of community and a sense of, like, gaining more um, connection with like-minded people, right? But at the end of the day, I feel like if you don't build that one-on-one relationship, because it is a relationship, then, I, like, imagine, like, you, you're going to get to heaven at some point, and God's going to say, but, like, I really don't know you. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you were going to church, and, yeah, you were, like, the best suited and booted, but you never took the time to, like, actually build anything with me. So I think that's another huge thing. I totally agree with that. It is just a physical building. I feel like COVID kind of made folks realize, mm-hmm. um, older folks realize that, oh, okay, I can still have a relationship with God mm-hmm. um, in the same way, if not stronger, you know, without having to go into church on Sundays. And actually, it's really funny. I feel like a lot of the older folks were very lost for a little while when COVID hit. Because then they were like, wait, I... I'm not getting ready for church on Sunday mm-hmm. or Wednesday. Um, I'm not going to see so-and-so and, you know, be a part of these prayer groups in the same way. How am I going to build this relationship with God? And while us, you know, younger folks are like, mm-hmm, this is how we've been doing it. <laughs> we've been trying to tell y'all. So I think that, you know, COVID may have shifted some older folks' um, uh, beliefs in terms of, what it really means to be a Christian. I mean, I always say, like, I do not believe in religion. I believe in relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, be, I think religion, you know, is what makes people go to church every Sunday um, or Wednesday. Or, you know, like those folks that basically spend all day, you know, at church, church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Religion is what separates people. It makes people kind of bump heads. It m- divides families. Caused the war. Co- Listen, <laughs> it's gotten folks killed, beheaded. Um, I think it's about your relationship with God, and I think that kind of goes with what you were saying, Isaiah. Like, you can go to church every Sunday, and then when you ha- get to heaven, God's like, hm, but I don't know you, though. Yeah. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. To hell. But anyway. <laughs> and actually, just to build off that point, because you made a good point right there, um... Yeah, because I feel like if you have more of that personal relationship and you spend more time with yourself, mm-hmm. through through God, you can get to know yourself better. Because me and Isaiah, we were just talking to um, a family friend, and he was saying he spent time like just understanding his mind and understanding his brain, and it just gave him a deeper mm-hmm. understanding of himself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can't get something like that by just going to the church all the time. Because you're just around different voices, different opinions. And yeah, there's a time and place for that to connect with other people. But a lot of people don't do that self-work, that spiritual work by themselves. And I feel like that's why I really really can't fault people who don't always go to church. Because you need to work on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. I think that like that church building also is like that supplemental thing where like you need like-minded people to help strengthen you or like you, you have some kind of downfall you said okay who do i call i'm gonna call so-and-so or i'm gonna call my friend in the church who maybe can like i don't know help me and encourage me with verses or help me and say you know what i can show you that 
I don't know what you're doing. We can work this out together in a certain way. I don't know. But I feel like maybe a lot of older people, when they're in that church scenario, like you said, they needed that every week, at the end of every week, like almost like, or at the beginning of every week, where they've worked so hard or whatever, and it's like, oh, finally, I'm going to meet my people and everything. Mm. It was that sense of just kind of feeling the community and... I don't know. See, now, it's a good thing having that community feel, and I agree with that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, people aren't always going to be there, whether it's your loved ones, because we all have our own stuff going on. That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. And even if you want to reference to the Bible, Mm -hmm. Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert by himself, Mm -hmm. being Mm -hmm. tempted by the devil. Mm -hmm. And he had to go through that by himself, and that made him stronger. Because like like what I was saying like a couple minutes ago, there's a time and place for community, and it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. And I'm for it because I feel like our generation's antisocial. But at the same time, though, you need to build that um, strength by yourself as well, too. Join the two together. Mm-hmm. I agree. And then people also forget that the pastors and the folks that are preaching at you are extremely human. And that's why like scandals happen because people <laughs> forget, like, that dude up there is a very human individual and makes very human mistakes as well. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're preaching and they may know the word, you know, um, and may get revelations from God, but <laughs> you can't really take everything that they say as Bible mm-hmm. because it, one, it's not, it's not, yeah. it's, not. it's their and interpretation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why, um, I think also a lot of young people have realized that, um, especially the ones, you know, that have grown up in the church. Because then, as you get older, you start hearing, like, Deacon so-and-so has been sleeping with the pastor, or Deaconess, mm-hmm. or sometimes you have yeah. deacons. Um, uh, and then you're like, wait a minute, this person is a human being, and this is someone that, you know, I was taught, you know, that they know everything, you know, and that they have, like, you know, this special relationship with mm-hmm. God that, None of us do, which is not true in mm-hmm. any way, right? Because, one, God loves us all the same, mm-hmm. you know? Mouthful, go ahead. Um, yeah, whether, you know, you're a construction worker or, like, a pastor of a mega church. You know what I mean? Um, so. I'm, I'm actually glad that you touched on that point. Mm-hmm. Is that saying how pastors, how we used to look at them as, like, they're perfect. They're yeah. angels walking the earth. <laughs> And that brings a good point because I feel like the best way to get to, like, especially kids, not kids, but young adults our age is through authenticity. That wins every time. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to tell their deepest, darkest secrets, but tell us, like, about your struggles, your tribulations, Mm -hmm. and it'll be easier for us to connect. I'm not saying all of them do that, but, you know. (laughs) Man, you know, like, how you feel, like, when your parents are like, ah, but pasta, like, he said it. Oh. You'd be like, okay, but, like, I know he said something, but it's, come on, to a certain level, these are also humans, like you said. Yeah. You can't just lift them up to this high level to where it's like, I'm almost thinking, like, okay, can I even attain that level? It's like, right. Hey, but in the Bible, it says not to idolize man. Yeah. Yeah, so. Listen, if we really want to, you know, tell folks. But, yeah. No, I... I I agree with all of that. Um, And like I said, I think that's why a lot of young people have left the church because they realize how inauthentic a lot of leadership in the church is. Because, like, you'll find, like, the worship leader, you know, at the club. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then on Sunday, 
he's like leading worship and telling everyone to raise their hands mm-hmm. and you're like but i saw you yeah. <laughs> hey don't even get started on the catholic priest <laughs> we don't want to walk down <laughs> that yeah <road>. <laughs> <laughs> no but really um so i think that's also like as i mentioned like one of the reasons that young people have just kind of been like it is what it is mm-hmm. um i can establish my relationship with god without this person um and then you know when a young person maybe hasn't grown up in the church and decides to go and they see, you know, how inauthentic yeah. things are, it's a turn off. And then now that person may never return to the church and yeah. never um, be interested in Christianity um, or building a relationship with God um, because for them, like, they don't necessarily know that those things are separate. Mm-hmm. To some extent, right? Like you can have a relationship with God without, you know, dealing with the church and Christianity and religion. And, and I think there's a scripture for that. It says like, I forgot the name of the scripture, but it says something along the lines of, um, "The kingdom of heaven is within." It doesn't say it's within that building or that building over right. there. It says it's inside it's, of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um. <laughs> Uh, what what ways do you think um, churches can bring more people from our generation back in the pews and on Sunday services? I came up with this question and I actually don't have an answer. What about you? What about, you got one I said? <laughs> yeah, I was going to build into the fact that like I think just younger... Okay, how young is young? What, what What's like, the cutoff? So like, oh, that's a young person. What's the cutoff? I say from like... Uh, so are we counting Generation Zs? Like a, like a number, like age. I'd say from like 16, because mm-hmm. around that age, like you're pretty much out here, you have a good idea of what's going on. From like 16 to like 30. 35, 30, 35. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that 35-year-old person, there's still roughly like more of them, of them than like people like in their 20s. That's true. Right? So 16, 30. So I would say of those who are there, maybe already, getting them to lead some of the programs instead of like some of the older, older people... Because it's like, I don't know, like you'll have like a Bible study. It's It might be different for different churches, but I don't know for African churches, it's like very, very strict. Like it has to be done this way. So it's like if it's Bible study, it's like we're bringing the Bible, but we're also bringing this supplemental book and we're bringing this one <laughs> and we're going to read it because I read this one in uh, whatever they say. But it's like, I think it's about getting just younger people who went to college more recently, went to whatever. Because I can remember back in high school at least having like, um, this thing called Young Life. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Yeah, I remember And the that. idea of, like, having younger, older people kind of leading things, you're like, man, that person's cool, but, like, what else are they doing? You're like, okay, the way that they were doing things seemed, like, cooler than, I guess, um, that was, like, the upper example, I guess you could say. Like, other people, if, if like, we have people who are leading the, the Bible study who are much older, it's like, you're not looking at them and saying, like, man, I want to hang out with them afterwards. Like, no, they're going to sleep, and it's, like, seven. But I think it's just, like, starting with the younger, older people to kind of garner people in. Yeah. I I agree. I agree with that. And I think also um, just being open to change and to our suggestions. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, okay, think about it this way. Outside of the church, like, at an organization or a company, if they start hiring young people and they're, you know, the young people are consistently trying to share their ideas and being shot down. What do the young people do? They leave. Mm-hmm. And they go to a place 
where their ideas and their work is valued. Um, so I feel like it's just the same thing with the church. Um, listen to us. Um, we're trying to tell you how to reach us and our friends, you know, um, and if you don't, you know, begin to change and open up your hearts and your ears to us, don't be surprised if the church actually dissipates and goes away. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, us young people will be the older people yeah. at some point, right? Yeah. And if there's this mass exodus of young people, which there has been, the church is going to be real tiny, yeah. you know, in the future. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just being open, listening to us, um, accepting us um, for who we are, um, and the ways that we, you know, may try to, um, the things that we bring to the table, if that makes sense. So, like, if a young person is a rapper, right? and a musician, and they really want to, like, for example, hey, maybe during youth group we can have, like, a rap um, workshop of sorts. You see what I mean? Or, like, a cool... Talent show. Yeah, or something like that. And then the pastor's like, oh, no, we can't do that. Because, you know, rap, the older people in the The church won't be... We cannot have those drums. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally it. (laughs) Do you see what I mean? Like, And so saying these things, and the young person's like, wow, this is my contribution to the church, my contribution and my way of um, giving to the Lord, because this is a gift that I have, but people are telling me that it's either not good enough or not Christian enough mm-hmm. or not godly enough. Even so, though God gave them that gift right? to begin with. So you say, yes. why would I stay? Why, yeah. why am I staying here? Mm-hmm. And then they leave, and then just like I said earlier, that person may then just be turned off completely to God mm-hmm. um, because these people have told them that God doesn't like that you do and God doesn't like um, accept that or it's you know not good enough so I don't know I just think listening to us being open to our gifts and the way that we can show the Lord that we love him yeah you know yeah it's all about just how people are just exposed to certain things just kind of piggybacking off on what you and Isaiah were saying it's like if you're exposed to something, you have, like, a very negative experience with it. It's going to turn you off. Mm-hmm. Whether, like, a parent or a pastor or whoever, like, introduced you to Christianity and you just have, like, a negative feeling with it, like, it's going to turn you away from it. Absolutely. But kind of like what you guys are saying, to get rid of that, it's just all about exposing, like, young people to Christianity in the way that it's supposed to be exposed to. I agree. And then also, I mean, just to, we're all, the three of us are black, right? Um, I think <laughs> I'll try to avoid that, but let's go. L- listen, <laughs> I will try to ahead. be as not controversial. It's controversial, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, race in the church is a big thing. Um, and depending on the generation, like in terms of young people, um, the way that they feel um, that older people have turned the church into a um, stomping grounds for hate, basically. You know, like, we just kind of are like, ugh. You see what I mean? So maybe not shying away from addressing racism in the church and whatnot, Mm -hmm. because I think that's what the older generation kind of does. Like, they'll, they'll be racist things that happen and prejudiced things that happen, 
But then it's just kind of like tucked under the rug. Well, well, how do you feel like there's racism in the church? I'm just curious. Oh, well. I mean, so like, for example, let's bring up, you know, these past couple elections. Yeah. Um, and social media, right? The mm-hmm. folks that, you know, sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so that you see on Sundays who are like smiling in your face saying, oh my God, I love you so much. You did so good. You know what I mean? Then you go to Facebook where you're like Facebook friends um, or Instagram friends and you look at their posts and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is this the same person? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. got you. I got like, you. That's, mm-hmm. that's your real heart. Like you actually don't like me. Oh. You know, you see what I mean? In my head, I was thinking, I don't know, for some reason in my head, I separated the churches by race, like black churches, white oh, churches, but you're speaking of that. mixed churches. Yeah, no, I'm mixed churches, and then... That's why I was confused at first. But yeah, I got you, no, I got no, no, and that's also a good point. I mean, the reason that, you know, I believe, like, black churches exist um, is because, one, we weren't allowed to go to, basically, white churches, mm-hmm. you know? So we had to, you know, separate ourselves and be around community. It was the church, especially during, like, the civil rights movement, was used to not only unite black people but also to strategize on how to you know move forward in the civil rights movement so there's like actual history when it comes to the black church and why um that separation is there um and even to this day i'll be honest like i would prefer to go to a predominantly black church because there are certain things that they do actually address it's the cultural thing yeah it's a cultural Nothing wrong thing with that. Mm-hmm. yeah but when it comes to, like, churches that are more mixed or even just, like, for example, my dad's white listeners that listen to this podcast, like, understanding that addressing race in the church and racism and prejudice is actually um, very important. Um, and, and it's definitely a way to bring back young people um, because we ain't trying to be around, you know, like, that, that fake... Yeah. love mm-hmm. if that makes yeah. sense mm-hmm. um and that's i mean that's one of the reasons why i left a church that um my family had been going to for a while because the past like the past couple elections exposed um the racism in that church like so blatantly mm-hmm. um and I was just like, I'm good. I'm never stepping foot, you know, in that place ever again. And I'm sure that's like the same sentiment a lot of young black people and white people, um, young white young people um, have left the church Um, because I feel like our generation and then especially like the generations after us, like we don't play that, you know, Mm -hmm. type of hate and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so we just won't be involved with the church does that make sense yeah. and i will say this though just to piggyback off of that because i feel like you brought up a good point what a lot of people forget especially the older generations is that there are different races of people in the bible who <laughs> lived and got along together yeah they fought sometimes but you have like different races of people mingling with each other yep. at the 12 tribes of israel but i don't want to get into that no, even, um, even abraham abraham he even married an ethiopian woman i think at one point yeah. Yeah, so it's like, there's no such thing as like, oh, the Bible didn't want people to be together. Yeah. Like, literally, and I think that's what a lot of people do forget, you're right. The older generations, especially, especially with the way that we're taught, 
that Jesus was blonde hair, blue eyed, white guy. Yeah. That's actually extremely inaccurate. Um, so. But not to cut you off, but I feel like that's a deeper issue than church itself. That's oh, like, because sure. you know, I don't want to veer too off subject, but that's like what America was built on was race. Because if yeah. you go to different places, yeah, racial stuff exists, but that's not the fabric of like what it was built on. Because yeah. even if you go some places in the Middle East, and I know they have their racial issues when it comes to Islam, but if you go to specific places, you'll see less of like a racial barrier. You'll mm-hmm. see like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed dude worshiping with a black yep. man, and so on and so forth. I mean, you'll see it here, but you'll see it more over there because their concept of race is different to our concept. Very true. Very, very true. Um, yeah, I, I, I think if... They, if older people acknowledged, for example, like your point, that there were actually different races and different kinds of people in the Bible, you know, then young people would be like, okay, well, see, now you're preaching the Bible as like, as a whole. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you're not cutting things out and leaving things out that don't fit in with, for the you sake know, of being comfortable. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you're not picking and choosing Bible verses, you know, that align with your prejudices but in discrimination. Defen- but in the defense of the church, just to play devil's advocate, I understand why they do devil's it. Devil's advocate <laughs> about the church? <laughs> oh, oh, wrong word, but, but we'll keep it. I'll be a contrarian. That's a okay, better word. there yeah. we go. <laughs> Is that, um, I understand why they alter their message and they tailor their message, that rubs a lot of people in the wrong way. But that's a problem. No, wait, wait, wait. But at the, So I understand why they do it. But at the same time, if they're really about God and the faith, they'll do it regardless. Because just, like just like what I was saying earlier, Jesus stood up to like whole nations who were saying, we're going to kill you, da-da-da-da. But he still said the word that needed to be said. So I feel like lots of pastors and preachers and priests, they're literally going against like the example that Jesus said, like, to say the word, no matter... No, I, I agree with you there, and what that makes me think of, though, is that they're thinking about the bottom line, and yeah, that's, a, that. that's a business term, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's another reason why young people are like, it's a business! Yeah, yeah. You to know? an extent, it's, it's, it's a business, yeah. It's a business, yeah. you know? Because mm-hmm. them tax write-offs, when I tell you, I have a friend, I have a friend um, whose parents were pastors, and when they, you know, stepped away, <laughs> when I tell you their whole life changed, you know, yeah. my friend had to get a job, <laughs> you see what I mean? So young people will look at that and be like, no, I'm good. Man, you then, you, I mean? then you see them riding around in like Benzes, Maybachs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what, what am I on, I'm not going to call it the church's name, but yeah. what am I on? Uncles, old churches, <laughs> not not Uncle Sam, but a different uncle. Okay. Yeah. He was over here living this lavish lifestyle, and I'm not saying that pastors and religious leaders can't live lavish, mm-hmm. but you're out here living like you're like you're a rapper or a ball player, and there's nothing wrong with those prof- professions. But mm-hmm. I feel like if you're really living by that word, you shouldn't want just an excess lifestyle. Like, you can have a nice lifestyle and an upper-class lifestyle, but to have all these flashy things and flashy possessions, I feel like 
that makes people look at the, look at these people. It doesn't connect. Yeah. yeah, they're like, man, this dude. Yeah, and like I feel like, okay, so like it's two things. So God, Jesus, the Bible, you know, like we are supposed to be very blessed, right? We are blessed Thanks. people. And material things, while they don't mean anything, quote unquote, they still do. You know, they so do. it's nice to have very nice things. And I think Christians, um, people that love God, deserve those things, right? And if you've worked hard for these things, they're your things. Mm -hmm. However, I think the issue comes when a pastor is like, okay, we're going to, you know, raise this much money for, I don't know, like backpacks for, you know, Charity. this, yeah, for this school, or we're going to raise money, you know, to have a rec center in the inner city. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the summer, they do raise the funds, mm -hmm. right? The rec center is like whack. You see what I mean? Like there's no real programming there. You know? A brand new you know what I mean? Listen. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. go to the rec center and they're like, for example, serving the kids in this inner city, right? Like trash food. You know? Yeah. Like prison food. Literally. Right? And then there the programming is so haphazardly done. Um, and what they're doing is just like filling the rec center with, you know urban children yeah and then you turn around and dude has a second house yeah. and you're trying to figure out like wait this doesn't make sense i feel like that's where the issue is in terms of pastors and you know leadership in churches having lavish things because i feel like it's not you know people who aren't christians or you know young people that have walked away it it's not that you know like they have nice things mm -hmm. it's how they've you know, acquired those nice things. Yes, and then you know, taking that the monies that were supposed to be for keeping the lights on in the church and whatnot, um, and you know, basically furnished their lives. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then left everything else that they said that they would do, um, just done so terribly. If that makes sense. Nah, you know, I agree. And I think social media, to an extent, has, like, helped us to see, like, all the different scandals that have happened <laughs> that maybe, like, we never even lived through them, but we've seen them yeah. because yeah. of, like, videos and stuff like that. Like, I know one pastor, he had, like, a new private jet that he just bought, and I was like... Man, he better be flying to heaven. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> man, like, why Jeez, man. that? But it's just stuff like that, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's off-putting, to an extent. And yeah. they say, like, you can't come to, like you said before... Why are you dressed like that in church? You need to wear this, you need to wear that. But it's like the message is not like, ooh, is he wearing ripped jeans? I can't, the message can't flow to him. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. No, actually, that's, I have a real story about that. Um, yeah. I had gone down south with um, a friend of mine and um, one of the cousins. Mm -hmm. And we were at the cousin's church, um, like family's church. And my friend was wearing ripped jeans mm -hmm. with like a hole, mm -hmm. you see? And during the sermon, the pastor literally said, we don't have to accept these young people dressing with holes in their pants. Oh, okay. It was so funny because she like took her jacket and just slowly put oh, it over her legs. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, imagine, and for her, like, you know, she grew up in the church. We've known each other for forever and she... Yeah, she was fine, right? Mm -hmm. But imagine if it was someone who that's all they could afford, 
you know, and the rip wasn't intentionally, you know, in their pants. You see yeah. what I mean? Or even if it was, and the person feels like I can come as I am, hearing that literally from the pulpit, you Why know. Why would you ever want to come back? I would not. Yeah. I'm not, I didn't go back. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah. So. It reminds me of that story of, like, uh, the woman with the two cents or the two yeah. coins, yeah. right? Like, the one guy comes, he has, like, all these people loading the bags of money, show everyone, like, I have it. And the woman comes and she puts her little, like, all she has left, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that story is about the heart, right? That's the most important part, not what you're showing, not what you're trying to prove to everyone. And there's a lot of young people, especially now, that I think, like, mental health issues and stuff are being mm -hmm. more put out into the public and we're not hiding them. This is a group of young people that really want to be able to change themselves and yeah, we're getting turned away, so. I totally agree. So, <laughs> to go back to ways to get us back yeah. <laughs> before we have, like, we run out yeah. of time. I feel like, I can, I, can, I can just recap. Um, mm -hmm. Just having more millennial leaders in the church that can draw people into the church, just kind of like what you and Isaiah were saying. Um, just having more of an open dialogue between um, the older generation and our generations and us putting our egos aside and coming together for a solution. And I guess for a third point that we made for that is just tackling like the tough social issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, and I think also taking us seriously because you know how like some churches will be like we're having a youth night you know and so you know this yeah. young person is preaching this one is leading worship and you know like the parents come with like their their phones and they're yeah. taking pictures looking at it yeah like we're like like they're like oh look mm -hmm. at the babies mm -hmm. and we're trying to like really like lead the church mm -hmm. you know so like taking us seriously and taking our walks seriously um and the way that we 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 use our gifts you know and appreciating our gifts for what they are because yeah so and so can't play the organ but when i tell you this person can rally people you know and raise funds right for yeah. you know whatever things that you know the church has going on or yeah this person can't lead worship but you know they can definitely um they're a good I, listener. Yeah, they're a great listener. Or they're a great peer mediator. Listen, you see what I mean? Like those, you know, those other important things that the church doesn't necessarily put on a pedestal. I guess you could say. So I would say like it's amazing that how, there's probably so many failing churches that if they only let yes. an open ear or something to the young people, that they would just be blossoming. And you see they're what not I mean? in debt. <laughs> maybe they just don't understand how like, to use Excel I don't know something so simple, so simple. Yeah. I, I agree with you like man I have gone to you know a few of those churches where you're like this could have been so much better mm -hmm. right because like I'm a very visual person so that's for me like what gets me mm -hmm. so when I like walk into a church and I don't know like the way that their pamphlets look right one that's old school why do you even still have them trash yeah like why not use like for example like a qr code and then you know like once you get to church it's on the window and you just use your phone mm -hmm. and now you know the church updates are directly on your phone you see what i mean with links to like you know the information even to, to tithe giving you yeah. money yeah you see what i mean yeah. cash app yep. yeah <laughs> <laughs> bambo <laughs> 
<laughs> no, really. Yeah. You know, or so, or like you know, like their praise and worship. You know, like the way that a person is like um, learning the words. Mm-hmm. How it'll be like very like whack. I don't know how to explain it. Like it'll look like they did this in like a word document yeah. and just posted like it to the screen. Yeah. yeah. You know. But if they would just listen to, you know, maybe the young person who's great at graphic design yeah. or visual concepts and whatnot. Yeah. And letting that young person who's, you know, been like, hey, why don't we, you know, just try this. You know, just taking those ideas and using them. That young person will then be like, oh, you know what? One of my friends is really, really good. Yeah, they're not a member here. Um, and they're not Christians yet. But I think that they would do such a good job doing this you know now you've reached out to a second young person and it goes back to what i was saying earlier like how someone's exposed to something and like how something's presented means everything mm-hmm. because just like what you're saying they can get young people to come help out with like the presentation and how it's presented to people because there, there's a reason why like these department these social media and these like media departments whether it's tv rap or whatever, social Snapchat or whatever, they have departments dedicated to like making something look as attractive as possible. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying churches need to go against their word and do like secular stuff per se, but like they can take notes from those yeah. people. Yeah, like to make it look more attractive. Of, the level of like time and effort put in certain things. Like he used to say, like, what if Jesus was like to be the guest at your church this week? That's like, a great point. Oh. Oh, someone's doing this and someone's doing that but there's like no structure to certain things and you're like come on like <laughs> Jesus is going to be like really this is for me or <laughs> but yeah. well, I got real disappointed yeah um no 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 I agree with that and maybe like um I lost my thought so you, you guys I was going to say uh, because I don't know if you hear this you be like, no he needs to go back he messed up <laughs> I said Abraham I think it was Moses I'm, wow I'm not sure <laughs> I think it was most not important, but I don't want to get roasted by the Christians. Yeah. See, that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> that is the exact problem that we're talking about, though. Yeah. Um. Oh. Um. It's, it, back to like the point that I had made about you know having a young person be like, okay, well, I can bring my other friend. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of churches sometimes look at them. They're like, well, we don't want that person from the quote-unquote like street that kind of person to do it because then they're like oh it's not ordained by the lord if they touch this <laughs> and it's like come on this person is just like, are you evangelizing to other christians yeah, or like what is, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. like i thought that was the point yeah you see what i mean so um <laughs> the, if the church would just stop doing that i feel like a lot of young people would come because then they feel accepted mm-hmm. you know because i mean if a young person is like, yo, bro, can you please come? This is what I'm doing. Um, it'll only take this much of your time. Like, they won't even, you know, shove Jesus down your throat, whatever, and come. And then that young person comes, and they're doing something, you know, that um, they're really good at, and they're in their element, and then they're also being shown love and in just a positive environment. They're like, you know, I might come back and help you again. Mm-hmm. Then they come back the next Sunday, or maybe like the next month. And then before you know it, now you have a new member of your church, a person that now loves God and understands, you know, their gifts a little bit more, feels like they're contributing, you know, to, you know, their way to get to heaven. You see what I mean? Yeah, and also to even build on that point, after like 
if they have like a positive exposure like that, yeah. you know, I love God, I can show off my talents and gifts, these people really support me. Mm-hmm. For all you know, that person could go on to do great things, or they can go on to college or university, mm-hmm. become like a high paying job or have influence. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if they have that positive experience with that church, they'll definitely come back and be a donor or something like that or try and See? help out. It's a circle. You have to yeah. you have to like take care of the young so they'll take care of you. Yeah. And it's hard. And it's, it's very cyclical. And it starts with that love first. It's not like shoving all the different pamphlets you can down their throat. But if you, like you said, you start with love and it's like genuine and someone's not like, ah, but they were kind of like on me about it. Like, mm-hmm. like that was kind of fun. That was kind of cool. They actually seem to genuinely care about me when they asked how I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also to build on that point, like some of like the greatest people like in the history of humankind, like there were some quote unquote unruly characters when they went into their religion. Like mm-hmm. I know Malcolm X isn't a Christian, but before he got into like Islam or faith, he was a yeah. pimp, drug dealer, just criminal. Mm-hmm. But then he ended up finding that faith and then he turned into like probably one of the greatest activists of all time. Mm-hmm. Paul literally killed people. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Literally killed people. Personally, right? specifically. Yeah. <laughs> like, very specifically. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, uh, Rahab was a prostitute. Yeah. Mary Magdalene, you know, was loose or yeah, fast. Yeah. You know, like these are all very broken, you know, very um, sinful people you see what i mean mm-hmm. um and they were shown love by god right and they became who they are you know who we reference now like people reference paul like crazy mm-hmm. you see what i mean people turn to the story of mary Magdalene. there's like actual like songs that they sing on easter mm-hmm. you know about her so i think that as you you mentioned just you know letting those people come you know, to the church as they are, they may turn out to be exactly what the church needs, exactly, exactly. what, not even just the church, because the church is not supposed to, you know, like, I don't know, be like this bubble where nobody can join. Like, they will they can also turn out to be amazing community leaders. You see what I mean? Um, who change the world simply because they were shown love on that one Sunday or Wednesday and were given a chance. Like I said, it's just a ripple effect because mm-hmm. they don't even necessarily have to become famous or super right. rich. Like what you're saying, they could be community leaders. They can end up becoming like counselors or teachers. Just positive. Who yeah. can have an effect on mm-hmm. children. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a whole big cycle. Whether yeah. you want it to be positive or negative. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people forget that like that's who Jesus chose to hang out with. Like Zacchaeus, they, the hypocrite, what are the... Uh, the leaders of the church would be like, ah, Jesus, why are you hanging out with like Zacchaeus? Like he's a thief, he's a taxi, bad person. He's like, well, I mean, I want to help him. I want to help him in a certain way. So it's like, I feel like when you were saying before, oh, you can't have that friend here because they're not, that's the kind of people you should be actively trying to bring <laughs> yes. in because you want to change them. So there's less of them, but yeah. No, not much. even change them, not you to change them, but just to bring them in to get them yeah, to be connected to Christ. Yeah. Right. I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other ways that you guys can think of? Uh, no. Do you guys have any last words? I think we touched on a lot. We did. I yeah. guess, like, a last word could be, like, listen to your young people. 
Mm-hmm. Accept us for who we are. I feel like we've said these things multiple times. Yeah. Um, and continue to expose yourself to um, what the young people do, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so then, oh, my fault, go ahead. No worries. Um, so then when a young person does approach you in the church to do something, the idea isn't so scary, you know, or quote-unquote secular sounding, because now you understand, you know, that, I don't know, platform on social media. Now you understand, you know, that kind of music and why it's, you see what I mean? Yeah. Do you have anything to say? Yeah, I have one thing. It's uh, from Matthew nineteen fourteen. It said, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So, like you were saying, like, if you're stopping them, you're stopping what Jesus directly told us to do, or told the elders to do. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have, really have any last words to say, but I want to give a shout out to uh, my boy Ethan Peterson, because I know <laughs> yes, he's, he's an RH. He's, he's a man of God. He's in our age group, and he he does traveling ministry. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just wanted to give him a shout-out. <laughs> so, great podcast. Awesome. All right, well, thanks for listening to us, guys. Um, it was fun hijacking my dad's podcast for an episode. Yep. Okay. So as we wind this down, I've listened to the podcast and I'll tell you one thing. I've listened to it several times and I've come up with a few things. I like to put some scriptures as a postscript to their podcast. They did very, very well and I don't want to add to their podcast. But these are the things that came to my mind when I listened to it. The scriptures as um, they talk, they really show that Jesus is a friend of sinners and that we shouldn't look at people because of what we think of them. And the scripture I'm thinking about is Mark 2, 14 through 17. And it says this, As he walked along, he saw Levi of Alphaeus sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and, and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Okay, so you see many times we conclude that people are scum, but look where Jesus went. Look at who Jesus visited. Number two, I saw here also... They questioned his authenticity. And uh, the same thing when he was speaking to the woman on the well. His disciples questioned him. It says um, in John 4, 27, it says, Just then his disciples came back as he was sitting with this woman at the well. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. See here again, Jesus was questioned. How authentic is he? Then another one I see that uh, these young people actually did mention is Mary Magdalene and Rahab. I always say that Rahab moved from harlot to heroine in the Bible. In the book of Joshua, chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to a house 
of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there at night. So you see, here again, chosen by God, led by the Holy Spirit, these men went and slept at the house of a prostitute. Can you imagine? God saw a heroine, not a prostitute. And then another one is Mary Magdalene. Remember, that's the woman who anointed Jesus Christ's feet. It says this in John 12, 3. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Wiping his feet with her hair, the house was filled with the fragrance. So you see, these kind of people, they fill the house of God with fragrance. Wherever Jesus is, it's the house of God. And this woman filled the house of God with fragrance. These young people we may look down on fill the house of God with fragrance. That's what I got. Okay, that's my take. Then another one is they talked about racial discrimination. In fact, at the end of this podcast, one of them pointed out their friend, uh, Ethan Peterson. Ethan Peterson is white, and I've seen Ethan and the and these three grow up together. Our two families are friends, and Ethan is now a traveling um, missionary. He's gone all over the world at their age. And this young man is amazing. But one thing about Ethan, he calls my wife my black mother. And he means it. When he would go to church, uh, his parents' house was very far from the church. Ours was in between. He would spend the nights at our house so that he can go to church the next day. Okay, So this is the kind of relationship these young people do have with each other. And in that uh, grain, they mentioned... um, uh, Moses and his Ethiopian wife Zipporah, uh, Numbers 12, 1 through 9. You can look that up. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. Now we know that the Cushites are people south of Ethiopia and we know that they are black. Cush was an, an empire deep in Africa. But God was so mad at them. They said to themselves, has the Lord only spoken to Moses? Why is he marrying this woman? So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I'll speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. All of the house of Israel, he is the only one I trust. I speak to him face to face. So we know that face to face, God was the one who instructed Moses, I want you to marry that one. That was his friend. So these young people brought that up in the podcast. Another giveaway that I took from this was they talked about giving. In other words, if whether you give much or not, they were saying that God doesn't look at you that way. They brought up the story of the woman, uh, you know, at the door that Jesus, you know, was talking about bringing just a small amount of money compared to those who bring in a lot. And another thing that they talked about also was basically that they feel as young people they are being discriminated, what I'll call class discrimination. You know, the book of James talks about that basically because they talked about the clothing and how they come in. Sometimes they dress differently. For example, in James 2, 
verse 2 to 3, it says, Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in, a f- in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and, other, and another comes in who is poor dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and good seat to the uh, rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, the Bible asks, is in that discrimination? They talked about that. And then the other thing that they really talked about, and they actually gave the scripture as well, was uh, Jesus is not bothered by young people. That's what I would say. And in fact, Jesus sees the kingdom of God in young people. They did talk about that also. So you see, Jesus likens the young people to the kingdom of God. And many times when we turn them away, we may not be overt the way we do it, but our programming turns them away, then we are really going against this. And they did bring that up too. So that was my take. What was your take? Leader, pastor, friend, uh, parent, we can't put our heads in the sand. I know these young people. I know they love the Lord. And I know one thing. They are the future of the church. We better listen to them. God bless you now. As we always do, I want to finish up this with prayer. And then I will um, give you our last uh, podcast download, Kings. But then I'm going to pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord, as your church. We are coming before you, Father, asking you to forgive us where we have ignored a segment of your church. We have ignored the young people. Just as we have done so in many different areas, but this time these young people have come out and spoken for others. We know that they didn't say everything that they need to say, but Lord Heavenly Father, they have spoken for their generation. We are asking you as people who listen to this podcast, as people who are leading other people into the kingdom, those who are ministering, those who are parenting, or those who are mentoring one way or another, these young people, this young church, we ask you to forgive us where we have gone wrong, but we ask you also to guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lead us, guide us, and show us how to reach them, to reach those who are young. And whatever we use to classify them, we ask you, if it's ungodly, Father, we ask you to forgive us. Help us to touch them. Help us to guide them. Help us to lead them. Help us to show them and pass the mantle on to them. Father, we thank you for this podcast and these young people. We know they have done so much in their young lives. But Lord, Heavenly Father, they don't move around with a chip on their shoulder. That's why, Father, even in this podcast, I didn't necessarily mention what they do because I know I did not want to alienate anyone. So in the name of Jesus, Father, may this podcast reach so many people in ways that they never knew they could be reached. Young people so they can come back to you and those who are older to learn how to deal with this generation. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you. We glorify you. Amen. Okay, quickly, I'm going to go through the top 10 downloaders in the last 14 days. And i like to announce that I am very, very happy because my statistics show that we've had a 308% increase in downloads. That's awesome. But anyway, number one was the United States. Number two was Kenya. Number three was United Kingdom. Number four was Afghanistan. Number five was Northern America. Mariana Island. I never heard of them. I'm sorry, but I thank you. 
number six was Australia. Number seven was Canada. Number eight was India. Number nine was uh, Uganda. And number 10 was South Africa. I am so grateful for every one of you. Keep downloading. Keep referring us. A lot of people are reaching. Uh, we are reaching a lot of people. And like I said, I believe I mentioned it last time. Our top download so far, downloaded episode, was the blood of Jesus, the one I did right after Easter. It had over 260,000K downloads. That's awesome. And I'm grateful to you all. God bless you. Till next time. Amen. Thank you.